This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. And because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. You're listening to the We're Not Fine podcast with Doug Jensen and Dr. Talia Jackson. All right, so our next story and question comes from Chuck. So my wife and I have been married for six years, dated for two before that. While we were dating, she had this friend, we'll call him Neil, that's not his real name. Uh, Neither is Chuck. (laughs) Um, She introduced him to me right away, and I I never got any weird vibes from him at first. We even got along, but never really hung out that much without my wife around. As our relationship progressed and we started talking about marriage, Neil's own relationship he'd, he'd been in fell apart, and he was leaning pretty heavy on my wife for support. And that's where things started to fray a little bit. Um, My wife is a very nice person to a fault and definitely a people pleaser. Unfortunately, this got her into some abusive relationships in her past where guys would take advantage of her in many ways. And Neil was always the one to to have her back and a couple of times even helped her get away from some of those abusive relationships. And so he was he was a great friend to her and he always had a bit of an but I always felt like he had a, a a bit of an ulterior motive. Uh, for her. Neil is definitely a, um, a borderline nice guy. Uh, he wasn't the kind of person to outright call a woman names if she didn't fawn over him for doing something nice. But my intuition from the beginning told me he had a thing for my wife. She sort of knew too, but brushed it off because he had never been, you know, ever taken it that far before. A week before our wedding, we had gone out with some friends and Neil was in that group. And after some drinking, Neil overheard another couple talking about how they liked the idea of an open relationship and sleeping with other people. And Neil decided a week before our wedding, just one week before our wedding would be a great time to try and convince my wife to hop on the open relationship train and and have some fun with him before getting married to me. To her credit, my To her credit, my wife came to me right away with this because she found it not just weird on the surface, but also the fact that he made sure to to talk about it only when it was just the two of them. Mm. I confronted him right away and immediately kicked him out of the wedding. And he, by the way, was set to be my groomsman. Wow. He was really upset by this and started telling my wife I was just as controlling and abusive as her previous boyfriends. Uh, however, she's nice to a fault, so she leaves the heavy lifting to me when it comes to dealing with these kinds of conflicts. He had to go. I explained to her I wasn't going to start off our marriage with this guy that tried to sleep with her in our lives, and she fought me on this quite a bit, obviously, since she knew him for 15 years by this point. And after what was probably the biggest fight we've ever had, she finally understood that his presence just wasn't good for us as a couple and blocked him on everything. To my surprise, he actually went away for a long time. My wife would hear about him from mutual friends once in a while, 
and he even we even learned that he got married and at one point had a baby, lost it, and then got divorced in the span of, of a couple of years. Then we found out the real reason was that his, his wife left him. Even after losing the baby, I guess they were going to stay together until he found out that he had terminal brain cancer. Oh my God. I guess As he called- As if this wasn't horrible enough. This is so sad. I guess he called my wife from the doctor with the or called his wife from the doctor um, with the news. Wait, called whose wife? He called his own wife um, from the doctor with it with with the news about his condition, and uh, when he got home, she was already packing her things. Oh to leave my him. god, yeah. Doug! Um, I know. My wife wanted to reach out to him when she heard about this, and, and I felt for the guy, and I, and I really did. So we unblocked him from our lives and reached out, and he was happy to hear from us, and we started hanging out a bit again. And this is where it gets really bad. Because it wasn't bad yet. He had a seizure a couple of weeks ago, and the doctors informed him that he doesn't have a lot of time left, a couple months at best. He decided to declare his undying love for my wife, and that he's been in love with her since the day he met her, but she never felt the same way back. However, he's begged her to sleep with him just once so he can die knowing what it was like oh. to make love to someone that he truly loved in his life. <laughs> I did not just laugh. That was not funny at all. No. My wife tells me all this, and I chuckle a bit until I see the look in her face. She's actually considering doing it. She feels terrible about not returning those feelings all those years and feeling like she let him on and that and used him. She keeps telling me it's only it'll only be this one time with a condom. She feels like she's denying him this his dying wish and claims she couldn't live with herself knowing this. Not going to lie, I started yelling a little. <laughs> okay. I tell her he's just being as manipulative and abusive as those guys that she used to get mixed up with. And this is the same shit he tried to pull before we got married. She's crying and doesn't know what to do. I tell her in un, un, no uncertain terms that if she goes through with this, we're done. Um, we had recently been trying for a baby, but now, now I've put that all on hold. Oh. oh. My head is spinning right now, and I just don't know what should come next. Ooh. I'm concerned that just by her even thinking about taking this step, that it's over. Oh, this is this the is a worst. Web. Well, I will say the one, the first thing I have to say is there's no wrong answer because there's no right answer. This is a lose, lose. Every part of this is a lose, lose, and an absolute tragedy. Yeah, there's like twenty things going on in my I head was about this. Forty. Were you going forty? Yeah. Maybe sixty was what we'll come up with. You know, um, that last statement, though, of this scenario was that you feel like there was no way to return if she said yes to this. I would disagree with that. I think there's absolute recovery from some of these circumstances. I got to be honest, the big thing that comes up for me is about how you and your wife manage any issues that come up in your relationship in general. And do you communicate them through? Do you find uh, a space where you can really hear each other and, and hear each other's point of view? kind of come to some understanding and find out if there is a compromise. It is fair of you not to want to have a compromise. You know, one of the things that Tali and I will be absolutely discussing in the course of this podcast and other podcasts is that a lot of people are exploring different ways of being in relationships. 
And I think an open relationship is for some and it's not for everybody, but it's an, a viable option. It requires a great deal of communication and understanding of what the boundaries are, but you get to hold true to what your boundary is. And I might be a little concerned that, you know, if you've said that in a really calm manner, she hasn't heard you, which I, th I think is the bigger issue. So I kind of have this thing about like how they communicate, how they find compromise in their relationship decisions when there's disagreement. Um, but I would not go down that fatalistic sort of like conclusion that there's no recovery from this because there might be. I also want to say, um, again, you, you, you called it balls, Talia. Um, but the whole idea that this guy actually pursues this with, with your wife on this dying process that he's going on, which, you know, I might say, I'm not exactly sure, uh, what parts of his brain or what parts of his cognitions are impacted by this but he might not be making the best decisions on his behalf. And I, I think a roll in the hay uh, from everything you've described is something that, you know, your relationship needs a bubble around it and it needs to have this preservation around it so that you don't harm your relationship in the future for something that is immediate now. And to be honest, I think his wife could say something very loving, like I'd love this opportunity to give that to you, but it doesn't feel right to my relationship, which does need to be primary. It just does. So oh. it's, yeah. I will say my heart is just broken for all three of the parties involved. And I keep on thinking about this wife and how like she has been trapped in a lot of these really intense, controlling, emotionally abusive relationships. Yep. And yet again, she's found herself in a situation where everyone wants something from her and nobody's pleased. So there's no, she doesn't have a voice here. She can't even take a moment to think about what she wants to do because it'll either completely destroy one person's life that she loves or the other person's life that she loves. Um, there's no winning. And I also, but that's why, I mean, there's no wrong choice, but what you said, Doug, exactly. It's all about how the two of you are going to work through this together and how you're going to make the decisions together. Because I will say, Chuck, you cannot make this decision for her. She will never forgive you. You have to let her make this on her own and come to her own conclusion about what she wants to do because when he dies, she's going to be stuck with whatever that feeling is for the rest of your marriage, which hopefully is going to be another 100 years, but you do not want to mess with that. One thing that you know we haven't said yet, Talia, but I'm sure both of us feel is you know when you were talking about the loss of a groomsman at the last minute, a loss of a friend, you know, not being able to be there for your friend during a time when he was losing a baby or he has these health issues going on. I actually really commend the two of you for being strong enough to kind of reopen your social media to reach out to him during a difficult time. You know, it's kind of one of those difficult moments where you have to decide at the end of, uh, at the, end of the day, like, what is the right thing for me? Will I feel better reaching out to him before he leaves this earth? Um, and, and being supportive. And so you have loss about this too, Chuck, that are, you know, that are really peripheral losses in addition to the, the specific loss of, you know, the strain involving the strain in your relationship. So I look at this and I think it's, it's really uh, a number of different things here, but you know, Talia, one of the things I love about what you said is that, you know, she, she has to be able to make this decision. Yeah. It has question, to be her. It does. And you know, the thing that I'm struck by is, and Chuck, you, you kind of address this very directly like the issue of not maybe trusting that she's making the best decision for herself and that in some kind of codependent way, she's still taking care of others at her expense. That's right. Yeah. And That's so right. making sure that you address that concern with her 
And I don't know, you know, I, I, I would wish for her very much to have this be a very, very well thought out decision making process. Um, but you know, Chuck, you again, I just want to validate, uh, not only do you have losses of your, your own here, but your own process here of like feeling like, you know, you have no power, uh, to have a real conversation and in some ways kind of feel second, uh, put second in this process. Um, can which, I say one yeah. thing that's like burning a hole in my brain? <laughs> I love burnings. Yeah. I feel like Neil. Yep. This is a really selfish way to go out of this world. Like, what the hell? Like, I am going to slime you with guilt for the rest of your life unless you completely blow up your marriage. Is that kind? Is that love? Here's what's interesting about that, Talia. So if Neil were sitting in front of us right now, and if Neil said, like one of my Neil dying wishes, yeah. yeah, one of my dying wishes is to sleep with this woman that I've had this unrequited love for, I would say, yeah, what go would you ahead tell and, him? I would probably say, go ahead and ask. But, but ask really who? frame ask that. Ask the husband or ask, ask her? I would ask both. Yes. I would say, yes. ask both of them. Because I would say, it's a couple decision. You bet. It is a couple's decision and be respectful to the guy. Don't go around his back. Yeah. And I, I couldn't remember in this scenario and I apologize like if you went to both of them or not, but no. it doesn't sound like no, it. He, he reached out to her. Yes. And also yeah. I will say that even before the brain cancer diagnosis, one week before their wedding, he went too far and he didn't do it in front of both of them. Yeah, asking both I agree. Of them, talking about like, is this even a possibility? He did go around behind Chuck's back. So he started the whole conversation in a pretty I agree. cowardly way. So it is interesting though. I'm curious what you would say about that. Like is, if Neil were the one Neil calling your in. client? <laughs> or, if Neil were the I one calling. Chuck. Chuck's <laughs> my client. You can have Neil. I actually want her. I would love okay. to deal with like, make sure you are advocating for yourself, baby. Yes. Um, so the part that I'm struck by is I, I do. I feel like if Neil were sitting in front of us and he were the one calling, yes. I'd be like, I think you should live out your dying days. If indeed you are terminal, do what, do, do your bucket list. Do, you know, people hate that word. Bucket yes, list. but, I don't know what but I you think, can't but blow someone else's you can't. life and so, up on your way out. And I might say, I also want to say, I'm not sure what that would be like. Like, I don't know what it would be while I'm dying to really be like, okay, I can think of many people that I might want to be sexual with at the end of my days, but I don't know that I'd reach out. Right. But I might, I don't know. These are probably more famous people. So, um, <laughs> I'm not going through that list yet. The thing that I'm struck by though, Talia, is like, I would say live your life. So if you want to ask, but be respectful and do it in a way that respects that relationship. And again, like you said, it doesn't blow it up or it doesn't create this fire in that relationship or, or, you know, you said kind of slime it up, I think is your, slime, <laughs> your phrase. Slime you on the way slime out. Slime you yeah. on the way out. Kind of like a snail. Okay. But also, I mean, I know I'm contradicting myself, but like, it's okay. My God, you get to think poor things. Neil. I mean, you're right. What would I do on my oh, way? Yeah, maybe very compassionate. Maybe I wouldn't care that much about blowing up someone else's marriage if I have a month to live. And I've had such a terrible run. Like, my God. Yeah. He lost a baby. I know. He, I also think there were a lot of confusing feelings from the beginning. Like, they had this really beautiful friendship for 15 years, and they'd really been there for each other. It does bring me to another question. Can straight men and straight women 
have a platonic friendship, does that work? I say, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I say, yes. Partly because as a gay man, the same question applies to me. Like, can I have a friendship with another male that is not based on a boundary that is questionable. But what do you mean by can? Because I feel like we can. However, it is so muddy and confusing. And especially if you're emotionally invested and transparent and leaning in and having these like beautiful... Because like the way that I talk with my girlfriends, yeah. if I was having those kinds of conversations with a strapping straight man... (laughs) So you could have friendships with people who Over are not cocktail? strapping. Here's the deal. I, yeah, I, maybe. I think that's possible. I absolutely would say I do think men and women can. And even if the person is stripe, striking in, you know, whether it's a male, female, or a non-binary individual, I would say I think the chemistry doesn't necessarily go with it. So I do think you can have I love that topic though. Like Agreed I want more and more disagree. and more. I know. Right. I right. know. Do you, do you know of any relationships that have worked without any confusing yes. chemistry? So I'm going to use myself. Like I have some incredibly beautiful, loving, straight male friends. Okay. And I do not feel. Because they're straight. Do you mean gay? No, I meant I meant straight. I also have my best friend is is gay, and there is no anything with him. But there's probably no chemistry. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So, are you saying that the we're we're off topic here? Yeah. And I, I Chuck, wanna, we apologize. I, I, I want to back up and say what a nice comment you made about Neil. I agree with you. Like we're forgetting. Poor Neil. And I, I'm going to just clarify again. I'm not an MD, but I kind of wonder about the brain tumor and whether or not. That is impacting some of the judgment or some of the cognitive ability at this point. I would have wondered that if he didn't pull the same exact thing a week before their wedding. But it wasn't the exact same thing. He wanted an open relationship. That's true. But he just which I couldn't to tell if that was also with, with you, Chuck. Oh, that didn't occur to me. It did right away occur to me. Oh. Neil, so I'm not exactly Neil. sure. Right. <laughs> But I love this second topic. Yeah. Let's right? let's continue to discuss after we have made sure that Chuck gets all of his answers. I apologize, Chuck. We got really distracted. So back to you. Chuck. Very complex situation. And honestly, I think we should summarize a little bit this one because I think, Chuck, what needs to happen is you need to let your wife know that you feel kind of put on the sideline in this conversation that it is not something that you feel she's treating the relationship as primary, which again, I always tell couples, you have to have a bubble around you and friends, family, kids, all of those parties can be really, really important to you, but you can't let them interfere with the the sacredness of your relationship and the intimate connection you have. Anything that puts that trust and connection at risk needs to be addressed directly. And it does not sound like you and your wife are on the same page about this. And you need to get on the same page. And I think you can. Mm-hmm. But it might end up saying, this is a deal breaker for me. You might end up mm-hmm. needing to say that to her. Mm-hmm. And if, if you can say that to her and she said, I'm willing to accept that. I'll, I'll leave this marriage if I have sex with this guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's thinking well if that's the case. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, I think it's like a both and situation of yeah. like they need to get on the same page no matter what. I really want her 
to dig deep and ask herself why she does or does not want to do this. Because if Chuck is right about like the people pleasing or maybe like fear of letting someone down or, you know, her best friend of 20 some years is saying, this is my dying wish. It leaves her really high no. or dry. I mean, yeah. it, it, she's not able to like be honest. Yes. Well, except that that's what I love. I love what you just said because you know, really she should let, she should let Neil, I keep forgetting Neil's name. Um, I got yours. It's Chuck. Neil. Neil. Um, <laughs> The thing that's striking is I think I think your wife needs to let Neil know how she's been put in this weird situation. And she might not even recognize that it's oof, manipulative and and Which is a whole nother issue. Right. Which which I think is what Chuck's trying to tell us. I like how you whispered when you said that. Yes. Um okay. Bottom line is you've got to get on the same page. I agree with Doug. I don't think this should be so black and white. This is like this is the kind of situation that literally never happens in one lifetime. I doubt it's going to happen twice in a lifetime. So this will be something that if the two of you can make a decision together and maybe be very open-minded and very open-hearted or just help her make sure that whatever decision she wants to make, it's not coming from a place of fear of letting someone down or being manipulated. You know, in all of this conversation, it's it's also triggering me that I feel like you are taking more than your part of responsibility to manage all of this. Mm -hmm. And that's a part that for any future, again, when I talk about like how the two of you manage your relationship decisions in general that affect both of you, whether it's, you know, a job that one of you is deciding to take or about kids or whatever you referenced, putting the kid thing on hold. The thing that I'm struck by is you really have to get to a place where you can have open, honest dialogue about how you experience it and not take on hers, not assume what she might be thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, and if your suspicion is that she's someone who has a history of being mistreated, which is a really unfortunate thing, and we need to keep working on changing that and regard our, our relationships and, and women as well, the part that's striking to me is you need to be able to not take that on. She needs to find her voice. And I think you've said that a number of times, Talia, we got to make sure that she feels empowered to really do what's right for her as well. I'm not clear that this is one of those times, but again, you're the one calling in. I kind of wish she was also on the, on the call with you to call in and, and ask the same questions. Like, I'm not sure what to do, but she has to dig deep. I love, I love those words that you said, dig deep and kind of figure out what do you really want? And what do you think the consequences and be thoughtful and wise That's about your right. decision? And is it going to be worth it? Um, one dynamic yeah. that I've noticed in my however many years I've been doing this is that if there's someone in a couple that is more passive, hasn't found their voice, hasn't been able to lovingly and assertively speak their truth what often happens is that the people around them, the other cast of characters, start hating each other. Have you ever noticed that? That Say if more. there's like one passive person who's like, I don't know, I really want to please this person, but I really want to please this person, and yeah. I don't know what to do, then it yeah. makes like husband hate mom or brother hate best friend or it's like people just sort of go over their heads and hate each other and it becomes like the enemies it's like they create that which they most fear being yeah. stuck between 
too angry people that they can't please. Which, you know, the interesting piece, and I think this is what you're saying, is, you know, the goal of this, you know, conversation is to be honest, to be upfront, to be direct, to express what it is that you're feeling directly and openly, because if we don't, I mean, it's kind of what we said at our introduction a long time ago, is this issue about like other people have to start taking care of it if you don't take care of your own shit. So, you know, I look at this and I think, uh, again, I'm mostly concerned that you're in this tough situation, but Chuck, I don't know that you feel like when you're letting her know what you're experiencing, her ambivalence, like you just said, is going to make you more frustrated in time unless she develops those skills. You know, Talia, you reference how many times you may have seen this in your office. I have two where there's one person who just hasn't found themselves in their life. And, you know, we talk about midlife crises. We talk about all these times in people's lives, but eventually I think people realize it doesn't work. Like you don't want to spend the rest of your life at some point and some relationships end because of this, that the person has not necessarily figured out that they're not being their full self and that they've been suppressing their emotions to please people. That's right. And that comes from learning from family of origin. It comes from, you know, societal points of view that it's not safe to speak your truth and it always needs to be safe yeah. no matter what your circumstances are. So she's got to find that voice. That's right. And that might yeah. take a while. It might. Although you don't have a while, maybe the decision will be made for you. It might be made for you and truly no guilt about this. You were put in a tough situation by someone. It's not your responsibility to take care of Neil. He's an adult. No, but also Chuck, do not be the bad guy in this story. Like do whatever you can to lovingly speak your truth. And yes, have your boundaries. And if it's a deal breaker, it's a deal breaker, but don't make her choose. Help her have the space to feel safe, to have these impossible conversations, love her through it. I don't envy your situation. It's truly impossible. And Chuck, you know, because as Talia said, I agree that this is not a short like answer. This is probably a lot of work given what you've described as the dynamic, um, not specifically to the Neil request for sex before he dies, but rather kind of the underlying ways that the two of you communicate and connect with one another. That's longer term work. And in that process, I strongly encourage you to take care of yourself. You know, make sure that you're practicing self-care and making sure you're getting enough sleep and eating well and getting some exercise because, you know, really when people go through this sort of really difficult time, it does help if you are as healthy mentally and physically as you can be. That's beautiful. I have one last thought. Please. I just am picturing sort of this visual of right now, Chuck and his wife are just on I mean and you said like they need to be on the same page a hundred percent and it's like the visual is right now you're on either side of this issue is there any way for the two of you to figure out how to actually be side by side and take this issue on together as a couple it might be an incredible opportunity to be hand in hand side by side facing the same obstacle the same direction and it will be an unforgettable bonding experience yep. i mean i've seen couples so many times go from a place of they are like on opposite sides of an impossible situation and then they align and then they're shoulder to shoulder against whatever op obstacle it is and then it really is like a 
we're in this together no matter what. We're holding hands. This is impossible. But nobody has quite had this ever happen to them. There are no pioneers leading the way. So let's do this together. There's no books on that. No. There's no recipe book for that. So lots of conflicting experiences going on. Yeah. But again, there is no wrong answer because there's no right answer. Sometimes you just have to navigate based on your gut. But I will say that the right answer is hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder, get aligned with your wife. Don't, don't blow up your marriage over this. You know, and Talia, at the beginning of this conversation, you know, we talked a little bit about there was no clear win for anybody. It might be exactly what you said, though. That that's the win. It might be that there's a win in learning how the two of you can navigate these life challenges in a very different way and find a voice that both of you have to really come to that table in your relationship and be open and honest. You know, every single relationship has to do that. As we grow, as we develop, as we've been given more challenges in this life, we have to find a way to, to, to communicate what that experience is and grow together. And that's the win. Like your relationship could be much stronger from this, Chuck. So going back to my initial comment, don't go down that path yet of it's over because it isn't that sort of like black and white situation. Relationships and humanity are not black and white. So give some thought to how it is that you can really maybe communicate with your wife about what it is that you're feeling and experiencing. And it sounds like maybe you've done a bunch of that, but go back and say, I'm really not feeling heard because I think for her to just move ahead without this compromise and contract and agreement that we were talking about here is not great for your relationship. We wish you the best. We really do. You can do this. Have a question for Doug or Talia. Email us your questions at questions at we're Eligible questions will be randomly selected for upcoming episodes. For details, visit our website at we'renotfine.com. Also, as a special thank you to our listeners, we're offering 15% off our podcast wearables at we'renotfine.com. Join us every Tuesday for new conversations, new challenging topics, and fun.